Hey guys, it's Chris here from The Full 40. Excited to bring you a two-part podcast this time around, celebrating our Final Four berth after wins over West Virginia and Texas Tech this weekend. Uh, stick with us for the, both episodes. We're, uh, we're definitely pumped up. We got a lot to bring you, a lot of content, very exciting. And as always, let's go Nova. So now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Full 40 with Chris and Rob. Rob and I are back in New York City following our Elite Eight victory over Texas Tech. We're back in the Final Four, two out of three years, and guess what? We're excited. As always. As always. (laughs) So, So, I mean, let's just jump right in, and I just want to gloat as a fan for a little while about the program and where it is and what it means for the university and everything that's gone on. It's like the it's like the week leading up to Christmas. <laughs> I'm just so looking forward to to Christmas day, but at the same time I'm enjoying every single day as much as I can and trying to take in and appreciate it. Because as we've said before, this is the golden age of Villanova basketball, so enjoy it while it lasts. This is unreal. I'm pumped. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just think about just think about where this program was when Jay Wright took over. Steve Lapis was a good coach, did a nice job, right? Didn't have the NCAA tournament success that we had gotten accustomed to under Raleigh. Um, before had, that, he had that nice NIT championship. He did have an NIT championship, and he did have a big. He, he, he did, did have the, East, our yeah. only old Big East tournament championship. Um, and he had Kerry Kittles, who, by many people's counts, is the best player in the history of the program. Maybe, maybe, maybe Was. you don't know. Um, I mean, I, I tell you, there's a couple players on this one, this iteration of the team that are making some uh, noise to be considered in that realm as well. <clears throat> but, but. Jay Wright took the program over, and and since then he's just been an upward trajectory for the program. I mean, obviously there's like ups and downs, right? It's not all just like one continuous line north, right? But I mean, just think about what he's done at Villanova. He's got 420 wins. He's got 134 in the last four years, which is a record. Yeah. A re- an all-time record beating Duke from like 97 to 01 when they were ridiculous. A lot of pros on that team, yeah. Yeah. And and th- he's and now he's got three final four appearances, which is as many final four appearances as the school had previous to Jay Wright. And now it's like rarefied air when we made when we were when we were seniors and we made the final four in 2009. It was the first one in what was it? Twenty four years. Yes, since yeah, 85. since eighty five. So, so to then get back to the final four seven years later, it felt like okay, that was a decent amount of time. Total new players, but like seven years felt like that was the shortest in between between any two yeah, yeah. final fours. And now it's two. 
and the and the expectation is totally changed, right? Remember how we felt in 09? It was like, we are just so happy to be here. It was a miracle shot. We were just pumped that we were literally in attendance, <coughs> one of the final four teams in the country. 2016, it was a little bit more business-like. It was kind of like, hey, we really got a shot at this. This could be the year. Yeah. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, we're here to win. Yeah. <laughs> like, get in line. Yeah, yeah. The, like, we watched, like, so we were in Boston, as I said, and we watched the team celebrate on the court, and they were happy. Like, don't, it's not like they were like going through the motions. Like, yeah. they were excited, right? As they should be. Yeah. They earned this, right? So there was a ton of excitement about making the final four. But there was also a sense of like, okay, we made the final four. This is just another checkpoint. On the road to the ultimate goal because we are the best team in the country. We're the best team left standing but also the best team in the country. And it's now time to go claim what's rightfully ours. Yeah. And part of it too is probably the fact that there's definitely a good overlap between the players that are on this team and the players that were on 16. Obviously, a number of those, Pascal and Dante, didn't actually play on that team. But they were there. They were part of it, right? Yes. And so they've definitely seen it. They know what it takes. And I I bet those guys especially – Dante and Eric are very much like, hey, this is my time now. Yeah. Like, I watched it from the sidelines last time. I want my ring that I really contributed to. Not that they didn't contribute to it, but I'm sure they would have preferred to be on the court. Of course. Of course. Well, Dante DiVincenzo in 16, in practice before the Final Four, emulated or was emulating Buddy Heald. Yeah. Right? Obviously, he's not Buddy Heald. But like he Wait, was trying. He's not? No. <laughs> oh my no, gosh. No, no. He looks a lot different than Buddy Heel. The big ragu. It's uh, he looks a little bit different. He looks a little bit different, I think. The um anyway, so getting back to this, it's just I just want to sit and bask in this. Like I, I every other week of the tournament and every other every other week during the college basketball season, I cannot wait. And we were I was just talking to our, our friend about this. I was I cannot wait for the next game. I can wait for the next game yeah. at this time because, because the Final Four is a little bit of a championship in its own right, right? Um, and, and we're back. And, and now you get to enjoy the, 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 the feature pieces on the players, the, you know, the awards that have come out. Like, it's just almost like a celebration of the program right now. And how could you not celebrate it? What Jay Wright's done with this program is nothing short of unbelievable. I mean, you have ESPN articles, and this is a conversation for an off-season teaser, an off-season segment that we're going to do is actually we're going to dig into this, come up with a come up with a philosophy, like a scoring philosophy, and come up with the best college basketball programs of all time. To see who actually are the blue bloods and who aren't the blue bloods and who's top ten, who's not, etc. And um, <laughs> spoiler: somebody on Reddit just did that today. Oh uh, well, I mean, <laughs> good for Reddit, but we're doing it from our angle. But the but we're going to do this, and and people are now calling us in the media blue bloods. Yeah, and. I'm not confident. I don't even feel like it's necessary to get into that debate necessarily. But there's one thing that's true. If we win the national championship this year, you cannot dispute that the last five years Villanova has been, by a good margin, the best program in college basketball. Oh, yeah. You'd have to say that. Yeah. 
Right now, I mean, UNC went to two consecutive title games, has a lot of wins in the last five years, no question. Um, you know, there's other teams. Kentucky had that one team in there. Wisconsin had a good had some good runs. All that true. But, like, in the last five years, what this program has accomplished is nothing short of amazing. Yeah. And one of the quotes I like is that they we play for those who came before us. It's one of the tenets of the program. And you do get a sense that when I said, like, what Jay Wright's continued to build, you do get a sense that, hey, back in 05, 06 – and and like before and 0405 and those that team that 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 team that was constituted of Foy, Ray, Lowry, Nardi, Sheridan, etc. We're building the building blocks of this program, and then and then came in Cunningham and Anderson and 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 Reynolds and and Fisher and Pena and Stokes and whatever, and they kind of built like and Clark, and they kind of built like. A little bit above that to like that final four thing, yeah. And then obviously we had a down period when we didn't exactly match up our recruiting, and I'm not going to talk smack on those players or anything like that, but it just is what it was. And then you got the incoming of Archie Diacono and Hilliard and Pinkston and and these other attitude guys who and Oshefu who all built the program, take it to the next step. Yeah. And now you feel like we're working with ultimate, like high level talent, right? Leave college early level talent, right? Plus the program that we had, right? So Jay has found that sweet spot that he was trying to get to in 10 and 11 of taking that next step of like, okay, now we're going to do the same thing with, with these elite players. Yeah. And now he's got this program, he's got this buy in with these elite players in the program who have built upon the, the, you know the players that have came before them, so to speak, and it's really working. His goal, his it's it's actually working. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's. <clears throat> I feel like the biggest difference at this point is the fact that we are our team is now viewed as a team of future pros and not just a team of nice players. And frankly, that probably contributes to the fact that we are in our second Final Four in three years. Like we've got a team of of guys. There's you know four or five guys on that team who will get a shot in the league for yeah, sure. We got a bunch of four and five star recruits, right? Mixed in maybe a maybe a three or two. I I don't know. But like yeah, a bunch of four or five star recruits. I mean we were joking around when Spellman was go who's ridiculous this weekend. Yeah. When Spellman and Brunson were going off this weekend. We were like, I love five star players. They're so good. <laughs> it makes life so much more fun. Yeah. But I, but yeah, so and and like t- we talked about awards earlier too. Obviously we've got just came out today, Brunson, first team. Highest vote-getter, too, on the Highest vote-getter, which on is the pretty AP amazing. All-American first team. Actually, let's dig into that. So I know we just basked in this for a little while. Yeah. But I want to talk about Mikhail Bridges only getting third team All-American. I am not a fan of that. And here's why. Pull it up. Look at the players on the second team. Right, I get the first team. I get the first team guys. Right, the first team was who was it? It was Brunson, Aiton, Bagley, Young, and Graham. I get it. I'm not going to dispute any of that. You know, uh, people want to get on Trey Young's case, but let's—he's the first NCAA player to lead the nation in scoring and assists. Yeah. So yeah, I'm fine with him being on. And that Oklahoma team wasn't a tournament team without him at all. Yeah. So I'm fine with him being... Yeah, first, first team we're good. First yeah. team we're good. So second team, second team you've got 
Katie Bates Diop from Ohio State. Okay, I'm fine with him. Blew it. Uh, yeah. This is this I would argue Mikhail's better, but all right. Go ahead. So, so this is where this is where this is where you lose me a little bit. Chuck Landale of St. Mary's. Like he's, come on, he's like super hyper efficient, and I get you want to make a nod to like a, a guy who's like carried a team from power, but St. Mary's wasn't good. I know, yeah, and like I know he's hyper efficient. Like Mikhail Bridges is really efficient too. I know, and played on the best team in college basketball. I know. So the other guy says, "We'll come back to Chuck." The other guy's on there. This one. Look, I mean, he just had a bit of a down year. Miles Bridges, the other M Bridges. This is the one that drives me nuts. Mikhail Bridges, by every objective measure, had a better season than Miles Bridges. I don't care what you're talking about. Percentages, etc., whatever it is, Mikhail Bridges was the all-around better player this year. And it's not debatable. Offensively, defensively, team-wise, like... Yeah. Checked all the boxes. Yeah. We have the better M. Bridges yes. in the country. Mikhail Bridges. Swap out Miles and Mikhail Bridges, and I'm you know fine with the second team. You know what team. it was? I bet the voters were confused. I bet they were, like, hanging chads. People didn't know which one it was. And so they're like, oh, yeah, it must be this M. Bridges. I just don't think that's true. You know, but, I, I, but I, I'm, honestly, I have deep and this is AP why – these are the same voters, by the way, who who pick the top 25 every week. Yeah. And this is why people get angry because, like, some of these voters I don't feel like take their job that seriously. i just be candid with you. I mean, Gary Parrish on CBS writes these poll attacks columns every week. Yeah, the yeah. people who just put mystifying rankings together. And, and I think the same thing comes true here. They heard all throughout the season that Miles Bridges was this great player, right? Didn't watch him. Didn't watch anything. Didn't pay attention to statistics, nothing, Ken Palm, etc. And just at the end of the season, they're like, okay, like, well, Michigan State was like the one, like the first, like the best team in the Big, Big Ten. Big Ten, yeah. And so... Um, Who do I know? And I know that Miles Bridges kid, so he must be next. He, he was supposed to be a lottery pick last year. He's supposed to be a lottery pick this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll put him. Uh, I'm not taking anything away. Miles Bridges is a great player. Yeah. Like, I'm, I know, I'm super, with you. I'm like, with super you. athletic guy. But Mikhail Bridges was better by every measure. And, and it's one of these, like, he definitely got a lot of... For sure, got a lot of kind of carryover momentum votes from last year when he was an exceptional player. Yeah. This year, he did regress a bit, which, yeah. like, again, great season, but definitely regressed. The other guy on this team, on the second team, which I wouldn't debate, Javon Carter, who we just played. Yeah, he's um, a stud. Yeah, Javon totally Carter's totally a stud. Totally Javon Carter's a stud. And anything that I, any doubts I had about Javon Carter were erased when we watched no, the, he's that West great. Virginia Villanova. I would, he's just. I would love to see his conditioning program. It's he's uh, he's a freak. He's Look, a freak of nature. How do you play thirty five minutes a game in the Big Twelve and in, run like that every single game? It's crazy. Game. And he doesn't look tired ever. No, he doesn't look tired. And he looks like he's forty five years old. Yeah, like yeah, already. Right, right. <laughs> like it's right, unreal. Right. Um, yeah, and then yeah. So the other guys who are on the third team with Mikhail, you've got Keenan Evans from Texas Tech, who we just played and just smoked. He did nothing. That Keenan game. Evans is a good player. Keenan though. Evans is he's a great and he player. played on a broken toe for like the last. Time. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but we did. I mean, we should come back to this. Our defensive effort against was Texas Tech. Unreal. Uh, I mean, the unreal. game was the equivalent of a root canal without Novocaine. Yeah, but but it should we was, let, should we talk should we talk about it for a minute? Well, like, let's just finish the right, right, right. Uh, first team. The third team. Third team. Keenan Evans, Carson Edwards of Purdue. Very good player. Yep, no question. Not debating Luke him. May. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, no problem. And Kyle Guy. Okay. From Virginia. Yeah. 
That's fine. Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy. I don't know. Kyle Guy was fine. I'm fine with that. He's like, he's good. Yeah. He's good. I don't know if he's Virginia's best player, but he's good. Um, So that's it. All right. So synopsis, Jalen, Money, Brunson, and Mikhail Bridges should have been up on second team. That's what we had. Right. All right. We'll lodge a formal complaint with our media passes after this. (laughs) (laughs) P.S. I tried to apply for the media passes. For all of us out there, I tried to get media passes for the Final Four. Unfortunately, I missed the deadline for the application because I know nothing about this process. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Next time. Um, now, I'll just have to wait until next year's Final Four. So let's talk about how we got there, right? So the last time we were with this podcast, we were we had just come off a nice win over Alabama. Great win over Alabama. Blew them out. Yeah. Et cetera. And then you got West Virginia, who that game was – I mean, talk about it, edge of your – seat like hold on to the seat of your pants type win that was i was stressed that was that game was intense i was really stressed that game yeah i had i was sick we we hung out on friday and watched the game with a bunch of our friends and i was a little under the weather friday and then was trying to scream during the game and left Friday night with just no voice, which carried over into the weekend. So I'm still a little bit raspy. My voice actually sounds like a 15-year-old instead of like a 12-year-old. So it's, it's nice. Actually. Yeah, it's actually helping you, <laughs> yeah. you sound a little bit older. I sound kind of like a man, maybe, yeah. <laughs> if I'm lucky. Um, but yeah, so we watched that game. That West Virginia game, I, I came away impressed with West Virginia. I got to be honest with you. I mean, look, there was the element of Kanate in the huddle and like – a little bit extracurricular whatever, gamesmanship and whatever. Like, I, you know what? I, I, these things don't bother me as much as like no. – Like Texas Tech warmed up outside our locker room blaring music and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the guys seemed totally unfazed I by mean, that. I mean, look, it's gamesmanship. I get it. When you're the top seed, like don't expect everyone to just come and like be nice. No. Like, they're not going to be nice. And so I'm fine with it. I actually think it's a, it's a sign of respect. In a, in a weird way, in a backwards way, it's a sign of like I got to go out and try and get into your head because if I don't gain a mental advantage on you at all, then then I don't know if I can win this <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, it's true. So so West Virginia came out. They were bullying. They just whatever. And to West Virginia's credit, they were up They were up six points with ten minutes left. We were all kind of holding our breath. Like oh is God, this going to be yeah. the end of the run? I actually felt calm because – because I knew we had Brunts, I knew we had Bridges, and I knew that like, I knew that West Virginia was just going with the fouls and everything was just going to run out of a little bit of steam, and I knew our guys throughout the game. You could see our guys were learning every like the the press and learning how to deal with it except, and overcome except it. Dante. Dante, yeah, Dante did not did not learn. Well, Dante while didn't we, have his best well, game. we did say he was at one point this season. A, an even better decision maker than Jalen Brunson. You said that. <laughs> Clearly. You said you said some shit that Sandro called you out on in our in what was that, episode nine? It was like when he called you yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it was the dumbest thing you've ever Dude, said. Dante continues to make the point that I was completely wrong. Yeah. Continued in the Alabama in the uh the Texas Tech game. I was like, dude, Dante, stop making my point. Look, Dante point. Dante DiVincenzo. And I think the Texas Tech game was actually Dante DiVincenzo in a nutshell. Dante DiVincenzo's sophomore year in a nutshell. He is a high-risk, high-reward player. Yeah. And like an incredible athlete. A 
he does make some really good decisions. Yes. And sometimes he makes some decisions that like he gets away with because of his athleticism and because he actually does have some good court vision. Like the pass that he made in the Xavier game to Spellman when he was running full speed down right, the court right, right. was an unbelievable Unreal. Yeah. pass. Right? And that's an example. So like sometimes Dante will give you that. And then sometimes you got to take what you get on the other <laughs> side, right? He giveth and he taketh he, away he, sometimes. He taketh away, yeah. uh, But, like, the Texas Tech game was a perfect example of through a couple boneheaded plays that guys picked off. Jay Wright, I thought, was going to kill him. Oh, my God. Point. On the sidelines, he was going nuts. And then as Texas Tech was starting to get back into it in the second half, Dante makes that put-back dunk on the missed Mikhail Bridges three-pointer. And... That that moment in that game was probably the point that stemmed the tide, absolutely, and pushed it back in our favor to never be given up again. That was yeah, and there were so many. That moment to me was, if Bridges hits the three, it's another one of those. Okay, that's the dagger. We had so many of those moments in that game. I was we didn't lay the dagger. I was just waiting for us to close the door, and it never happened, and it never happened, and it never happened. But we did enough to get it done. We did enough to get done. But Dante, that moment was probably. At least one of the daggers that ended up getting yeah. us to pull away. I mean, it's I, I want to, I want everybody to contribute every game, like contribute a lot every game. <laughs> but we're not going to win every game like one hundred and thirty to twenty. <laughs> I wish every game could be like Radford, but but I, I think that that's okay, right? It's, you wish every game could be like Oklahoma in sixty. <laughs> well, yeah, second don't, Oklahoma. Don't we all? Don't we, yeah, second Oklahoma. Big difference. Yeah. Um, but it's not, right? It's just not going to happen. But I think the good thing is, if you look across the tournament so far, we've had different players contributing different games. Now, we're going to need a broader effort, I think, in the game coming up. But I feel good about it because everybody stepped up at one point or another this this tournament and be like, yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's make this happen. So before we get to the Kansas game, because – the, first, the thing I opened up with in this podcast was trying to bask in this and enjoy this yeah, week, yeah. right? And I don't want to think about getting stressed about the Kansas game yet, right. so I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to defer. That, that's that. your prerogative. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the games from this weekend, West Virginia, uh, we told you going in to look out for Kanate. Kanate was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. When he a, blocked Bridges, it was man. unbelievable. And when Pascal went up and after him. Oh, a man's jam. It was unbelievable. Wow. So let's talk oh. about Eric Pascal. Whoa. Eric Pascal does not get enough credit. I was just going to say, is Eric Pascal the most underrated player in Villanova of the last 10 years? Pause. Think it's. I'm not. I'm not saying he is. I'm just asking the question. I think he very well. And here, here's what I'll say. I think he very well could be because partially of who's around him, because the guys sure. on the team are so high in the press and getting so many accolades. He is definitely down the totem pole. Like in terms of who people talk about on the team, one Jalen, two Mikhail, three Omari, and then it's like four Dante. Four is probably Dante, right? Then Booth somehow gets forgotten again. <laughs> Booth, yeah. Booth, Booth, yeah. Booth. So, and then it gets to like five slash six is like Booth Pascal yeah. in, that, in that realm. So just by the fact that he's like the fifth or sixth guy I talked about, and he is in terms of level of importance, obviously he's not more important than Jalen, but he is he's up there. He is so dynamic. He's so critical. And if you look, you look at his stat line in the Texas Tech game, he had... 
14 rebounds, which is only what he got credit for, because he created several other offensive rebounds yep. by tipping the ball. He was a force and just so critical to stemming the tide, playing great defense, and keeping the offense afloat. We also don't win the Providence game without doing him doing that same exact thing. We saw what he did against Texas Tech, against Providence. And I said walking in, I said to you and I said to Sandro actually walking into the game, I said it could be a Pascal game because because Providence Texas Tech is like a much better version of Providence, mm. right? Just the way they play their length and athleticism, their way they get into you defensively and take away the three point shot and all those things. Yeah. Right? It could be a Pascal game because because Pascal's gotta get up and get on those boards and he's so athletic. Um, and Pascal makes so many good decisions. He is. You're right. He's His decision making is what improved. What has improved most dramatically from last year. If you remember last year, Pascal was like he got in. You loved his athleticism. You loved his tenacity. But he fouled too <laughs> For much. For the two minutes he was in before he fouled yeah. every single time. Yeah, every he single fouled time. Fouled too much, etc. Now his defensive play is next level. It, yeah, like let's take a moment on the fouls. The past two games when we've had Bridges and Brunson in foul trouble, Pascal's been the guy. And Omari, Pascal's been the guy. Yep. Who's been a rock? Yep. Been playing essentially the five, and not getting in foul trouble. Yeah. Plays so smart. Plays so tough. He's a guy. If he's on most other teams, he is a guy that teams and coaches are designing plays for because he's so strong in the post. He's so dynamic and shoot outside, and he is so physically strong that you just want to get him the ball. And somehow. Huge credit to him and huge credit for Jay for creating the system. Somehow for he has bought in to this idea that, hey, it's okay for me to be the guy who's fifth and sixth talked about on this team as long as I'm contributing positively. And he seems to have this great attitude and it's clearly just, does. Like just absolute stud all around. And does we should talk about it more just because he's amazing. He deserves it. He, he deserves, deserves it. He stepped it. up big. Yeah. He stepped up big and we're gonna need him more. We're gonna need him more coming up. He could be he could be a real difference maker in in this game against Kansas. Yeah, they have no one to match up with him. No, no one matches up exactly right with him. No, um, let's not go to Kansas. We're not getting there yet. We're not getting there yet. Should we think about wait, it? Should we talk about uh, what was your impression of Boston? Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so Chris is from New York. I'm from New York. So I'm he's a, a huge Yankees fan. Huge Yankees fan. Here's I mean, my likening, by the way. Here's my likening to Yankees. To Yankees teams, Yankees? to to Yankees, Yankees teams in the past. If the 2016 Villanova team was the 1996 Yankees, up and comer, underdog, mm. got hot at the right time, great team all year, but got hot at the right time, had the pieces together, special, etc., did all the right things, made the winning plays, etc., beat the Braves after going down in the whole nine yards, right. Then, the Braves, the Greg Maddox, John Smoltz Braves. Oh, yeah, well, those were good teams. Those were right? good teams. Then this team is, two years later, the 1998 Yankees team. And this is like the best iteration of Villanova, I think, ever. The most talented team, the best team. This team hasn't lost yet without its full roster. Yeah. Like, people forget that. People forget that <laughs> Phil Booth scored 20 points in the national championship game. As we like to remind you. <laughs> yeah. But... But this team hasn't lost the game. Now, I'm not saying we would have won the Butler game if Colin Gillespie didn't hurt his wrist. Like, I'm not going to make that claim or if Jermaine Samuels didn't hurt his wrist. I'm not going to say that, right? But, like, it would have helped. 
Sure, it would help. All right, but but like, but we would, but we haven't lost a game with a full roster. All right, whatever. Enough so Yankee, anyway, lost, so anyway, lo- Boston. Boston. Talks. Boston. Boston. I don't like Boston. <laughs> you, <laughs> I am, were, I am predisposed to not like. I was going to say you gave Boston about negative five minutes chance. <laughs> like we pulled into the state of Massachusetts, and you're like, ugh. I hate Boston. Like, we got out of the car. Ugh, I hate Boston. I'm like, do, do you not like Boston? Maybe that's not clear to everybody else. I wore Yankee socks. <laughs> Things that don't surprise me. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so you didn't like Boston. But, look, I oh, thought the TD Garden was really nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yo, those seats we had, we got, we got seats that were, like, real high up. Center court, though. Center court, but real high up. We were, yeah. I think, three rows from the top. Yeah. And I felt so much closer than if I was at Wells Fargo, where I feel like I'm in like an airplane watching the game. Oh, yeah. Huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. Well, they're renovating Wells Fargo now. Oh, good. Yeah. So, I mean, But yeah, but TD anyway, Garden was great. So TD Garden was great. I actually thought the area around the stadium was pretty good. The Nova presence around the stadium. This was awesome. So we went to... Brunch. We tried to go to brunch like three places before the game and couldn't get in anywhere. We walked in all these places and they're like, oh yeah, we're full of reservations. Meanwhile, there's nobody around, but whatever. Right. Side note, the good news was there were just tons of Villanova people everywhere. 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 It was had, a Villanova home game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it, it, I felt good knowing that we we're going to be playing Texas Tech. I f- figured they wouldn't travel that well. But just seeing that many blue shirts, it was it was a definitely a, a credit good to the sight. Texas Tech fans who were there. Made yeah. a lot of noise. They, they make some passionate noise, yeah. for their team. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I think Chris Beard, who is the head coach of Texas Tech, is got that program going the right direction. And if you listen to him talk in his press conference, he's tried to emulate Jay Wright. Yeah, he's a huge Jay Wright fan. He's a big Jay Wright fan, etc. In his post-game press conference, he said, oh, the media likes to talk about the three-point shooting. And no question, they could beat you. They could run you out of the gym with the three-point shooting. But the character of the Villanova team is toughness. He knew it. He knew everything about it. His players just couldn't – he just couldn't get his players to make the shots. And his players were a little bit hurt. And the whole nine yards, they couldn't overcome that. But if you listen to him talk, he knew exactly – what we do and how we had to match up with it. And to, to Texas Tech's credit in that game, they did match our toughness in a lot of ways. They just could, they just didn't have the talent. They didn't have the talent. And, I mean, frankly, that game should have been a 20-point win. It we, should have we been. We missed a lot of open it shots. It should have been. We missed open shots. But, like, sometimes when you play really good defense on someone early, you get in their head and you, and you hear the footsteps. And you feel like... You feel like it's almost like it becomes a mental thing at that point. Anyway, um, Boston did a great job. Villanova alumni did a great job yeah. getting the event together. We went to the Harp, which was across the street <laughs> the Harp, from TD Harp Garden. Harp was rowdy. It was rowdy. It was a good time. Harp was ready to go. It was a good time. Made, definitely makes you feel good. When you walk into a bar, that's that bar was big, it was, and yeah. you see nothing but blue and white. It makes you feel better about the game, even though obviously none of those people are playing. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes you feel like, okay, we got a presence here. There's good energy. There's yeah. good vibes, which, uh, which helps cool the nerves. Also helps cool the nerves. Beer. Beer, <laughs> beer d- definitely helps. Beer, yeah, beer and, helps. Uh, yeah, plenty of vodka sodas for sure. What did we do Saturday night? So Saturday night we went to the mess. So let's talk about that. Oh, that was yeah, great. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, yeah. for those of you going to San Antonio – Here's my off-the-wall recommendation. 
It's not like that off. The it's wall. not that off the wall. But like, <laughs> it's not like you're saying like go to synagogue. Like that would be off the wall. All right. Like, well, it, it's why, like, why you gotta be like that? Because we're a Catholic school, and that would be pretty off the wall. <laughs> I'm <laughs> giving you saying, a hard time. Just giving saying. you a hard time. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, the 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 suggestion that I would make is go to the Father Peter Mass in the middle of the weekend. So in 2016 in Houston, now obviously you had the good vibe coming off that 44-point win against Oklahoma where we're all looking around to each other after we blow out Oklahoma and be like, are we going to really do this? We're going to really do this. Holy shit, this is really going to happen. Like, like, even though we knew we were playing North Carolina, we were just like, we felt invincible. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. So, so we go to the Father Peter Mass. And it was the energy was electric, electric, and and the it was standing room only. Like you couldn't you, you couldn't you were like listening in, looking in, and like people doing chants like at the end of the mass. It was just like Father Peter was you know yucking it up and yeah. like having a good time, and it was just like an amazing atmosphere. Yeah. So we went to the mass in Boston. Which there were like 500 people or so. It I, was did, again, I, did, I did a quick count. There were around 500 people at that house. <laughs> again, standing room only. Yeah. And Lion of the Night goes to Father Peter, um, who we've talked about is not the biggest basketball fan, but knew enough to make a Sister Jean joke yeah. <laughs> in reference to Father Rob, who goes, um, Oh, you know, who did Sister Jean when you got Father Rob? And I was like, oh, Father Peter's talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> talking smack on Sister Jean. I love it. Um, but my recommendation is sign up and go. If you're going to San Antonio, sign up for the Mass on Easter Sunday. So Easter, so look, yeah, yeah. like you might have to go anyway, depending on your religious affiliation true. and commitment level. Yep. Uh, not telling anyone what to do here. Um, you do you. You do you. But hey, Easter Mass, Father Peter's saying it. It's happening whether we win or lose on Saturday. My recommendation is at what ten thirty. I have no idea. I think it's at ten thirty. Go, go. It'll be a good time. You'll enjoy it. A lot of people will be there. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, better if we win on Saturday. <laughs> way better if we win. Yeah, way better if we win on Saturday. But yeah, so like it, it's like it's one of those things that like is make Villanova like what it is. Yeah. So like it that's like something unique about the school. So. Yeah. Should we should we now start talking about San Antonio? We don't have to do Kansas game yet. Yeah. We could just talk about. I mean, it's a good segue into San Antonio. Yeah. Let's so talk about the mass. So. Here's what's interesting, the Final Four keeps going back to San Antonio. It was there in '08. It's gone back. It's in there in '18. I've been there before. Yep. At the Alamo Dome. And the people, the media types, etc., who have been to the Final Four there, rave about it. They rave about San Antonio like they rave about Indianapolis as like a smaller city that hosts and everything's confined to a smaller area that it makes it all – it makes it better because it's fun because everyone's near each other. As opposed to Houston, which were – which a lot of Villanova people are now familiar with – very spread out. You got to take Ubers to get to the team hotel. You got to take Ubers to get to the stadium or you got to take the public transit or this, that, and the other thing, which I didn't mind that at all. But you got, but it did take some logistical planning to get around between the Final Four Festival and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, 
But, but wait, wait, by the way, I feel like the media types rave about San Antonio because they don't have to pay to get to San Antonio. Right, exactly. That's it the was, next thing I was going to say. It, was, it has been a nightmare. Look, we're in a very lucky position. Both you and I are going, and we'll talk about how we're going there, which is planes, trains, and automobiles. Outrageous. Outrageous. We'll get there in a minute. So we're, we're very lucky to be able to I'm go I'm surprised I'm not taking a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, just give it time. We'll see. Something will fall through. Something will fall through. Um, it's like, we're very lucky, but it has been ridiculous to try and get there. I'm, I'm very much like, oh yeah, I know it's supposed to be better in San Antonio. Just put it back in Houston. Put this in. It's gotta be a a huge major city. It'll be so much easier. They've got the infrastructure flights. Great. No problem. Hotels. Great. No problem. This has been an absolute crazy fest. Um, Yeah. It's, it's crazy getting down there. (laughs) Yeah. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. So, Okay. (laughs) So my wife and this I are going to so go. Good. I've brought Linda up in the past. She's a saint. We all know this. She's wonderful. Went to Penn State. Shouts playing in the NIT semifinal as we speak. Um, but we – but like she really wants to go because she couldn't make it in 16. So we're going to San Antonio together. And to get there, we're looking at flights. They're like a million dollars to get into San Antonio. They're like – 75% of a million dollars to get to Austin. <laughs> so we realized very quickly that we got to fly into Dallas or Houston. Yeah, it's like four-hour, three-hour drive. Yeah. yeah, no big deal. Just going That's... to another part of the state entirely. And <laughs> Texas is a freaking huge state, right? And and then we got to go to – oh, yeah, and then we got to – and then still going to those cities is too expensive. Yeah, it's like – yeah, at this point, if you didn't have your flights booked in advance, you're talking like – Six hundred dollars, seven or like one, like one way. Yeah, four hundred dollars minimum one way, and yes. you're flying at some weird ass time, like Thursday morning, <laughs> yeah, or Friday night where you're missing everything, <laughs> or Saturday morning where if you hit any delay, <laughs> you're screwed. You're really screwed because you're not making the game. Could you imagine if your like flight got delayed, you landed and we lost? <laughs> oh, oh my god, I would lose it. I would. <laughs> anyway, that won't happen. So. <laughs> yeah. <continue>. so <laughs> That's like the worst thing I could ever imagine. <laughs> that would be so bad. Um, but yeah, so so Linda and I are, I don't know how we're going to get there, but we're going to Washington, D.C. from New York on Thursday night. Then we're staying at my buddy's apartment on Thursday night, waking up at the ass crack of dawn on Friday morning, taking an Uber to Ronald Reagan Airport in Arlington, and flying to Houston. Now, extra catch is that technically the flight was to Dallas, but it has a connecting layover in Houston. <laughs> right? And phenomenal. And so we're just walking off the plane in Houston. That's great. And and it's still kind of expensive. Yeah. Like it's not like it, it's not I it's mean, not look, it's not it, bad. It's, it's not bad. It's a premium weekend. So you're like yeah. you're gonna have to pay. But, but it's crazy the fact that like if you, I could do that, by the way, it's crazy that just to get just to be clear here, it's crazy that I can fly from two cities that I A don't live in and B not going to. Have to rent cars, take buses, drive myself, take Ubers, can do all of that. For at least a hundred dollars per person cheaper than just flying from the city in which I live to the place that I'm going, no unreal. questions asked. Just unreal. It's outrageous. It is. It is really crazy. I have a little bit straighter shot, um, but but yeah, it's it's been a tr- it's been a journey. 
Hey guys, it's Chris again from The Full 40. Thank you for listening to part one of the two-part series celebrating Villanova's 2018 Final Four berth after wins over West Virginia and Texas this past weekend. Stick with us. We got another part coming out. You could download it on iTunes and SoundCloud uh, for part two. And as always, let's go Nova.